Big Fluff. On the way down here, I met this woman. Oh, Ben, you idiot! Would you let him talk? What woman, you idiot? It's just, it's not what you, it's not like that. It's just that she's completely uh, different than anyone I've ever met. Oh, please! They always are! Ben, this is not good timing. You're supposed to be getting married here. Yes, I know, Mom. I just, I, I just want to know how, when you guys got married, how you knew you were the right ones for one another. I understand. Listen to me. Ben, when I met your father, I had an opportunity to marry Sam Wellman. Sam Wellman? Shh, will you please? Who is now a very prominent businessman he in our community. He sells pools, and they're not even built in. They're the kind you blow up. Some are built oh, in. Yeah, well, okay. even they leak. It's okay. It's, it's, you know what? It's fine. I just, uh, I was just curious. But it's, Dad, I really appreciate it if you could just wire the money in. I'll be down there as soon as I can, okay? Okay, kid, take care, huh? Yeah, bye-bye. Hey everybody, I'm Joel Murphy. And I'm Andy McIntyre. And this is Silver Linings Playback, the podcast where we watch maligned movies and we find their silver linings. And it is the month of February, the month of love, the month of romance, and the month of comedy. So we're doing romantic comedies starring the greatest of romantic comedy actors, Ben Affleck. Ben Affleck. Yep. When I think rom-coms... I think Ben Affleck. I just, he I made think, like seven in the late 90s, early aughts, and we're going to watch a bunch of them this month. I think I speak for everyone when I say I miss it. Ben, if you're listening, and we know you are, uh, go back and maybe do some rom-com. Do you a rom-com. Can, you can direct them now. Palette cleanse with a little rom-com. Yeah. Oh, man, what about a rom-com about a guy in this? Uh, maybe he's also named Ben. It seems like you like playing characters named Ben based on this movie. Who, uh, maybe he went through a divorce, and maybe he has a phoenix tattoo on his back. And, and uh, maybe he gets together with someone, uh, that he had previously dated, and they have a rekindling of a romance, and it, uh, you know, sets the world on fire like it did the last time. Like yeah. a phoenix rising from the ashes. Exactly, yeah, they, they get Dunkin' Donuts together, they, they walk around the block that she perhaps is, is, from. Know, is from and still accepted in. Yeah. Um, From, and, you know, no one gets fooled by the rocks that she got. Yeah, I, th- I think it would be, I think we'd all be into it. And you know what? I bet you that uh, the relationship would be pretty affordable because I'm going to guess that her love doesn't cost a thing. <laughs> but have you seen that theory? There's a theory online that I really love that they were just uh, with the paparazzi photos. The two of them were recreating scenes from that video. <laughs> That's that's awesome. And I hadn't heard about that, but I love that so, so much. Everybody do yourself a favor and, and Google it because people have done some like side by side stuff. And it's because there's, there's footage of them on a boat, like canoodling, you know, <laughs> it's good stuff. Um, oh, that's great. I, I love I love that. Um, yeah. All right. Jen so. and Ben, so good for them to be back together. But that's not what we're talking about this week. We're talking about uh, Ben and Sarah. Yeah, also, I mean... Sandra. Yeah, well, it's, it's good that there is a Sarah in this movie. I believe. Is That's that, right. Is her character's name is Sarah, I believe. Uh, That's, I think it is, yeah. yeah. But, uh, but no, we wanted to sneak in uh, some talk about Jennifer Lopez, because there is no chance 
at any point this month when we're doing Ben Affleck rom-coms. I don't believe they did one together. So I don't I know. I can't think of two that they did. <laughs> so I don't know how we would ever be able to talk about them unless so I'm glad we got that out of the way yeah. early because it was going to be buzzing in everyone's mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, how are you going to mention them? In, in, how, how, they're living a rom-com, as it were, mm-hmm. right now in 2022. Yeah. So, But back in 2006, maybe not so much. Yep. But we're, we're going back even further to 1999. And you know it's 1999 because everything in this movie screams 1999. This is probably the second 90sist movie we've watched for this pod after Hackers. Yeah, but it's let's recap some of the 90s thing. There's uh, there's swing music. There's uh, Ben Affleck is wearing a bowling shirt with uh, Adidas track pants at one point. Uh, he has the Caesar haircut. He has the Caesar haircut. Uh, there's scenes where someone is interviewing someone else with uh, a camcorder to get to know them better. It's got Kenny Banya. <laughs> yeah, it's got Banya. It's got Steve Zahn. That's a it's good got indication. Steve Zahn <laughs> playing the goofy best friend. Yeah. So a lot of indications. Also, all of the music, which I love. Oh, oh, God, let's start with the opening credits of this movie. Let's. Is not the opening credits for a romantic comedy. It is the opening credits for like a spy thriller or something. It's like this like very 90s like house techno EDM style music with like sort of like a trippy. uh, I'm going to say Winamp visualizer because iTunes wasn't a thing yet. (laughs) Yep. Um, Shout out to Winamp. And um, it was just sponsoring. That's fun. This is perfect, Andy. They're sponsoring this week's episode. So. Oh, good. Yeah, they're making Thank a you, comeback. Winamp. Yeah. They're come, bringing it back in 2022. They're riding that 90s nostalgia wave. It's, it's brought to you by it's them and Napster. Both reached out to nice. us. And choker necklaces. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, we couldn't be happier. Yeah. Um, and the band Collective Soul. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's going to be their but year. No, like the, well, the you can download credits. their music on Napster and then remix it in Winamp. And then watch that video that you've remixed with a visualizer on Winamp. Um, But yeah, like the opening credits of this movie do not scream. They do not fit the tone of this movie. Nope. That'd be also arguing that this movie has a consistent tone, which I also submit that it does not. No. And I mean, I don't want to skip ahead, but the ending was M. Night Shyamalan levels of shocking to me based on (laughs) everything we had seen before it i don't know why and it i don't think i've seen this movie before watching it now maybe i had but i was completely unsurprised by it i i just i don't even know like i wasn't surprised like it's the wrong ending but that's what i'm saying i don't think it was like i dropped my coffee cup and was like wait a second he was just reading posters in the room the whole time it was just like really well this is what we're doing Oh, okay. Sure. Um, you needed a lot of, we'll get to that, but you needed the rest of the movie to be very different for that ending to land. <laughs> yeah, that's not like, because you could argue watching this movie that the theme of this movie is marriage sucks. Oh, for sure. It's out of anything in this movie, the thing that is most hammered in everywhere. Ben Affleck's Ben goes everyone he talks to is an older set you know there it's an older couple that is telling them how much they hate their marriage or in one case 
they're two older people having an affair. And they're happy together, but they're so miserable with their spouses. Yeah, but his parents hate their marriage. That was the clip from the beginning. That was his parents talking about their terrible marriage. Uh, Everyone is like, don't do it. It's bad. His grandfather. So this is the opening scene that we get is his bachelor party where his bachelor party is taking place at a like vaudeville strip club in the 1930s i think because his stripper is covered in balloons and is putting on this burlesque show and kudos to steve zahn for not just getting a girl to take her clothes off but uh just putting on a full burlesque uh dance not unlike edna krabappel's dance to fever in the springfield talent show episode it is exactly like that that is, yeah, if you want a picture, that's exactly. But uh, his grandfather's there because everyone knows you invite your grandfather to your bachelor party. And uh, he has a heart attack. And then... Because he, of how hot the woman was. Yes. And also maybe the balloon popping. I think the balloon popping might have started. <laughs> the balloon popping. But he ends up in the hospital. Ben Affleck goes to see him. And he then, presumably on his deathbed, because do we even... Is he even at the wedding? He might still be in that hospital. Uh, he yeah. He proceeds to tell him how... The stripper was the hottest woman that he's ever seen, way hotter than his wife, who he uh, wasn't attracted to, wasn't attracted to at all. So that's the start of a series of older characters telling Ben Affleck that marriage is terrible. Yeah, because then he meets Kenny Banya on the airplane, who's just a scumbag, who just is just a dirtball in all the senses, like the way he talks about his wife, the way that he talks about Ben Affleck's fiance, the way that he talks about Sandra Bullock. When about to shows, get into the the plane seat. Yeah, he's just, yeah, just a vulgarian of the highest order. Yeah, just and, yeah, and then and so the then it, it continues. Like everybody is just marriage is terrible. Don't get married. It's bad. And and all the while he's trying to write his vows. Um, and he he's really struggling. He's trying to re- he's trying to write his vows whenever the screenwriter remembered that that's what he was something he was supposed to be trying to do consistently throughout the movie. Yes. Yeah. Which is not often, but no. it, but we should also take a step back to because we haven't really described the plot very well, but it's Ben Affleck is supposed or to Or we've described it expertly. Yes, but <laughs> Ben Affleck is, is supposed to get married uh, to Maura Tierney and, because this is a 90s movie. And right. uh, then their wedding is in where do they start? Do they start in New York? And they then, start in New York, and the wedding is in Savannah, which is where she's originally from. Right. So he's supposed to to go and from, where her parents still live. And her parents, uh, they don't. They're separated. They don't live together at all. Yeah, they also hate marriage and think it's bad. Yes, they yeah. they only want. They're like just pretended they were still together because of the wedding. Yeah, this is a bombshell that is dropped in in the movie. So, which yeah. I can relate to. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Yeah, my wife's parents got divorced like two weeks after we got married. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. At, at least it was after. It's, you know. Yeah. Or maybe that's better. I don't know. <laughs> oh, I'm sure that things had been ended for a while, but they like let everyone know and all that very shortly after we got married. I'm pretty positive it wasn't your wedding. I'm like 90% <laughs> sure. My wedding was great. <laughs> I just uh, want to. Yeah, I'm people sure still like people that attended still talk about how much fun they had. I, it was a very good wedding. I still I feel like the highest compliment that Molly and I get is that our food was really good. I feel like that was what I'm really happy about with our wedding. I, I your wedding was a lot of fun. I had, had a good time. It was nice, low key. It was good people. It was a good time. Yeah. All right. So so you're supposed to marry more, more a tyranny. Uh, he has to travel from New York to Savannah 
And then the movie planes, trains and automobiles happens. 100%. And to the point that even like the screenwriter said, yeah, we just did planes, trains and automobiles. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like they very- admitted to stealing that plot. Yeah, because it, it's it follows it pretty much beat for beat with less sexual attention than Steve Martin and John Candy had. But um, yeah, yeah, it, it's they start out on a plane. There's a problem with the I plane. I would have loved to have seen Sandra, even though Sandra Bullock's playing the John Candy character. I would have loved to have seen her do the uh, the rental car rant that Steve Martin did, which is one of the greatest monologues in comedy movie history. It is. Yeah, no, it, it's truly great. Yeah, I would have loved to see that. I would have loved to see this movie's version of Those Aren't Pillows. I think there was a lot of... I think they could have leaned harder into... Yeah. Because it wouldn't have been surprising but, if but yeah, Ben so, Affleck had done that rant, because I think that's just the way he talks to people he thinks less of. <laughs> it's probably true. <laughs> All right, so yeah, it's planes, trains, and automobiles. And they eventually make their way to Savannah... Um, and a series of various natural phenomenon try to slow down their efforts to get there. Uh, actually, uh, you know what? Though I do, I, I was ready to move on, but you know what? I just want to talk about the plane because it's it was wild to me. Because okay, so the the plane has a problem; they have to get off it. Totally makes sense. But this hold is, on a second. Yeah. <laughs> let's talk about what problem the plane but had. that's what i was gonna say that's exactly okay. what i was teeing up like i understand the the impulse but <laughs> so they get on the plane and this is pre-sully sullenberger um they get on the plane it's like starting to move and a flock of birds fly yes. into the engine and the plane complete it's still on the ground and it is out of control like it is just fishtailing greens off yeah. the runway. <laughs> That's not how that works. <laughs> no, I'm sure they would have been able to stop the plane. Yes. Yeah. There is no uh, reason. Because if they really wanted to do that, they should have had like the nose, like maybe the front landing gear be up off the ground and then the, the things hit and that would throw that level of, I think, chaos. But when it's just taxiing before it's even starting to approach, you know, exit velocity for lack of a better term yeah the takeoff way, speed is probably more accurate but yeah the way it's presented is the, the plane just starts moving like it so it wouldn't even be going very fast right it's like getting into line to get to the runway right to and take it, off and a bunch of birds fly but these birds are the beginning of the force of nature because in case you thought that the title was a, a metaphor it is not no, it is very literal. Yes, because all everywhere they go, there's like hailstorms and hurricanes and all sorts of terrible inclement weather and other forces of nature stopping them from getting. Yeah, including a lightning bolt hitting a tree and it lands on the hood of the car that they're driving to the wedding just blocks away from the wedding. Yes. Yeah. One last. Well, actually, I would say one last, but even the wedding itself, it's like gets canceled uh, by a hurricane. It gets canceled by a hurricane. And it, it, there's a lot of shots of people trying to grab umbrellas that are flying around. And yeah, they know. just decide to do the November rain video at the end. I wish. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we haven't we should also probably we teed it up pretty well, but we haven't really talked about Sandra Bullock's character. No, she She's... is. A wild child. Yes. So she's so well, the other thing we didn't say is that Ben is very uptight. He's, yes, he's, he's very scared. buttoned down. He's scared of everything. He's such a coward. He won't even climb on top of a train. That's what a coward. <laughs> that's on a bridge. That's on a bridge. Stopped. <laughs> yeah. So that's what a coward that he is. But uh, 
yeah, so she so she's a free spirit, but then we also find out that she's uh been married a bunch of times. She has a kid that she's estranged from. She has some She owns a bagel shop in Savannah that's going under. That's why she's going to Savannah. Uh which she also if correct me if I'm wrong, but we're introduced to her that she's making out with a guy in line, right? Like like disgustingly, like licking his chin and neck and just gross making out with him. Which is her husband that her ex that she's split up from. Like, I didn't really understand. That you, is the guy that shows up at the end, right? I'm not. That, they didn't just saying. look similar. Right. That's what I'm trying to make sense of, because like, so we meet her. She's she's hardcore making out with this guy in line. And then there's no mention of what happens to him until the end when he shows back up to be cruel to her. And it's I we like there's definitely a missing piece. I don't know if there's a deleted scene or if they just didn't bother, but they they were so in love that they were pawing at each other in line and then they hate each other at the end of the movie right. with like, no in between. Violently, aggressively hate each other at the end. Yes. And with no bridge to explain that. Or she just has a type and it's dirt balls with bad 90s goatees and bleached hair. Yeah. Yep. Which were a dime a dozen in the 90s. I mean, they were everywhere. I'm going to say something and maybe this is controversial. But I, I feel like this podcast, I've always believed, is a search for truth. And, and we've always been honest. So I know that this is the type of role that Sandra Bullock played a lot in the 1990s. I think she's miscast in this part. 100%. Yeah, like it doesn't, it doesn't ring true to me. The character that she's playing does not see. Because Sandra Bullock has been great in in some movies, but she was playing these type of roles for a while, and I don't really think they suit her well. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think I think definitely she just... I, look, yeah, she just wasn't... I don't know who was the right person at this point in the 90s. Winona Ryder, maybe? Yeah, I would even... I mean, Cameron Diaz maybe would have made more sense. But she was so good as, like, the sort of stick in the mud in, like, my best friend's wedding that... You know, I don't, I don't know if she would have been able... Drew Barrymore was the right person, Drew Barrymore. Probably. 100% this is supposed to be Drew Barrymore. Yeah, that's it. Because uh, she did this in Boys on the Side yeah. and yep. um, a few other movies. But yeah, Drew Barrymore is probably the right person. Well, and Drew Barrymore, like, in the 90s, like, her actual... Was, yeah, yeah, it was like... not too far away from the truth. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, this should have been Drew Barrymore. Um, Alicia Silverstone was on the young side, but I think she might have even been a better casting choice. Yep. Yeah. So it just it just didn't feel right with Sandra Bullock. Yeah, it just felt weird. Like I I didn't feel like I really understood the character. Like because she's she's supposed to be very like we said like kind of this free spirit, but she doesn't really seem she doesn't feel like it. Like it doesn't feel authentic. If if they had somehow done a reveal, a third act reveal that she wasn't actually a free spirit and she was like not being true to herself through the whole movie, that would have felt accurate, I think to me. Yeah, and also, th that was the other thing that did hit me, because there is, of course, a scene where they argue, her and Ben Affleck, about, like, because in their two days together, they've sized each other up. But, I it, like, it seemed weird that he wasn't, like, hitting harder the idea of, like, you act like you're not afraid of anything, but you don't talk to your son. <laughs> like, that seems like right. where he should have been <laughs> focused. But yeah, you've, you're completely estranged from your son. 
Yeah. Which I'm pretty sure, again, I'm jumping ahead. I think she kidnaps her son at the end, if I understand the movie correctly, because we never see, we're told that she has no relationship with her son and uh, that her ex is raising him, but she just shows up at a house where the son is. We never see the ex and then they're just together at the end. So I'm pretty sure she just put him in a car and kidnapped him. That's the movie I want to see. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Like that's. Um, the forces of nature too kidnapper on the loose <laughs> and it's like because ben affleck and more okay so now we have to, to talk about the ending but yeah in in force of nature 2 i think ben affleck and maura tyranny are trying to go on their honeymoon and they somehow through forces of nature end up uh, on the run with sandra bullock yeah, they end up abetting her kidnapping of the son while getting chased by tommy lee jones yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, playing the same character from The Fugitive and U.S. Marshals. Yeah, it, this would have been the completion of that trilogy as originally it's Forces conceived. of Nature 2, U.S. Marshals 3. <laughs> the Fugitive. I, I, I always love the joke that some movie is a sequel to two different movies, and I would love Hollywood to just pull the trigger and do that once. Yeah, why not? Like Honestly, Fast and Furious 10, Transformers 6. It'd be so confusing and so great. Oh, do it, Hollywood. I will write that movie. I'm just going to write pew, pew, pew a bunch of times on the on the page, and that's going to be the script, and you'll know what to do. I So, okay. Obviously, Vin Diesel is drag racing, and there's a car that is faster and better maneuvering than any car he's ever encountered. And he can't sure. figure it out. He can't figure it out because Dom Toretto never loses. A Unless it's to maybe Paul Walker in a scene that's not on camera. Right. But but he also let him win because family. Uh, right. So but in this one, he just gets smoked and he can't figure it out. It doesn't make like any sense. Several car lengths smoked. Yeah. And so he's obsessed with it. And the thing is, this car has tinted windows and he he's obsessed. He can't figure it out. So he follows the car back and to the it's, garage. It's a yellow uh, Camaro with black stripes. Exactly. And he's like, so we all know. Right, right. But then you have that moment where Dom is like crouched behind some some crates and then the car turns into Bumblebee and he's like, we, he can't figure it out. And then and then. Yeah. And so then Haley Steinfeld is there because she's delightful. Put her in everything. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. Uh, and, and then. So what they end up realizing is that the Autobots are like family and mm -hmm. Dom's team is like family. So they have to unite to stop the Decepticons who are being uh, manipulated by Charlize Theron. And Starscream. They're... And Starscream, yes. <laughs> they teamed up because those two are sleeping together. Right. So... Oh, man. There's a really hot scene of Charlize Theron <laughs> banging the hell out of Starscream. She's pegging him. And... Yeah. <laughs> She's just pegging him. With just this huge piston. Yeah. It's great. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's the Furiosa arm because it's also Mad Max 4 <laughs> or 5. Yeah. It's, it's Fast oh. 10, Mad Max 5, <laughs> Transformers 6. And what we didn't say, we said Haley Steinfeld, but she's actually playing her character from Hawkeye. So, <laughs> no, 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 no. She's playing her character from Pitch Perfect. It's Pitch Perfect 4 too. There's a huge singing number. Anna Kendrick shows up. It's amazing. Everyone leaves the theater happy. This movie makes the first trillion dollar earning movie. I'm calling it right now. And then it's just years of fighting over who owns the rights. 
Yeah, it's just, and then they make it. Then we make the documentary about the rights fight afterwards, and it's this huge thing. It it's a it's a Netflix original series. Oh, this that's where we make the real money is is yeah. on the behind. I was the gonna scenes. say like I think we might have a printing press around here to get all this money that we're just giving you a license to print. Well, and that but that's the funny thing with us is that we we made the billion dollar film. That's going to make all this money, but just so we could win, we could make the critical darling hearts of darkness uh, making right. of, you know, which is going to be what it actually is really because they've seen our work doing the uh, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen tell all documentary piece. Right. And so we really that's what we want to get known at is documentarians. And and so that's really where it goes. And, and it's I don't want to give it away, but like. I'm pretty much having a, a nervous breakdown like uh, <laughs> like what's happening with Coppola during the right. break. Like I'm losing it. And yeah, he's like, I feel like I'm transforming. Yeah. I'm getting all Furiosa. <laughs> and at one point I snap and I just replace Vin Diesel with the rock and I don't tell him it's going to be great. Uh, yeah, it's. We're a so, month into twenty or two months, almost two months into twenty twenty two. We've already got our best pitch done. Oh, we're for sure two months in. Just to be clear, because we're recording this on the day it runs, so it's definitely February right yeah. now. Well, we're in the second month of twenty twenty two. Is what I'm saying. We're not yeah. fully done with two months. Okay, yeah, that got that got more confusing than the sequel. Than this pitch of Fast Ten, Transformers <laughs> Six, Mad Max Five, Pitch Perfect Four, uh, it, it, but also the making of. All but also that. the making of all of that. And why don't we find out that uh, Hawkeye, that Kate Bishop and Haley Seinfeld's character from Pitch Perfect are the same character? Yeah. Yeah, I assume. And then uh, if we could also <laughs> tie it in uh, to True Grit, then. Right. Uh, no. And then she's the descendant of Maddie from True Grit. Right. And then the descendant of Rooster Cogburn shows up. Uh, Who ends up being Vin Diesel. We find out through a series of hooks and crooks that. uh that uh, Vin Diesel's great great grandfather was indeed Rooster Cogburn, who See, also was, cared a lot about family. I was going to say that somehow Obadiah Stane was related to Rooster Cogburn in the Marvel universe. <laughs> yes. Back to forces of nature. <laughs> Rooster Cogburn. Rooster Cogburn <laughs> saved a woman in a cave with a box of scraps. Well, I'm not Rooster Cogburn. Okay. Oh. I don't even know this show is if there were ra you know what this show I think a force of nature just threw us off our just course. derailed this much like the train that was uncoupled on the bridge where they were yelling on top of and no one stopped them yeah yeah and then also somehow they because of that they end up on the wrong train it's that they uncoupled the last car of the train and then recouple because they like walk to the baggage car or something stupid like that which I see what you're doing they were uncoupled. Hey, oh, metaphor. Um, <laughs> sure. And yeah, let's talk about this twist, because I think that this is the last bit to malign before yeah. we pivot. Yeah. So we sort of teased the I mean, we gave away the ending, but just to be clear, if, if people haven't seen it. So, yeah, the whole thing is like and correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I feel like this was all made clear. But then I was doubting myself by the end. But like. Both Ben Affleck and Maura Tierney cheat on each other, right? Like, yes. They, yeah. They, they both at least make out with someone else. 
Maura Tierney with her boyfriend, Steve, who uh, just crushes a version of um, Against All Odds. And she can't. She's powerless against. Yeah. Them. Like, uh, so I mean, she takes a look at him now and that's it. Yeah. So I love that song unabashedly. I just want to point that out. It's a banger. It's a true. I, I love the I love the Phil Collins version. I love the Death Cab for Cutie cover of it. Or no, it's Postal Service cover of it. Both are great. I love the Death Cab for Cutie cover of the Postal Service cover of the Phil Collins version. Yes. Yeah, that's my yeah. favorite. I love that TNA Impact Wrestling named a pay-per-view after the song. All of it's great. Yeah. Yeah. And take a look at them now. See how they're yeah. doing. They're, you know, making making waves in the in the like second tier wrestling scene. Anyways. Yeah, they get married. They elope to yeah. Hawaii. Yeah, so basically, so yeah, so both of them are like done with each other. And he he shows up and, and Sandra Bullock is waiting for him. She's going to wait outside the wedding. He's going to go tell more tyranny. I, I'm out. I don't want to do this. And then he sees her. And then he takes a look at her. And then now, now he, he decides in that moment that he wants to marry her. And then he magically remembers his vows. And then they get, they, well, then they decide they can't have the wedding there because of the forces of nature. And so they go to Hawaii and they get married. If this movie had any balls whatsoever, they would have died in a volcano eruption. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and then also Sandra Bullock, as I said, she, she kidnaps her child. That's right. the, the other. Yes. And he's, there's voiceover where Ben Affleck's like, I wonder what ever happened to her. And then like. Wonder. And then yeah. she's in the woods because uh, Tommy Lee Jones is hunting her. So she's trying to throw him off the scent of her yes. and her child. <laughs> so I'm going to issue. I want a hard target search of every Kmart, Hmart, Walmart, Walmart, and, and Quickie Mart. <laughs> yeah, that worked. <laughs> um, I'm going to issue the defense that I think the movie was trying to set up for the end of this, that it didn't execute well. Okay, I'd love to hear it. So there was a clear theme of marriage sucks, don't get married throughout all of this movie. Mm -hmm. But there was equally a clear theme of follow your heart in the moment and that's going to be the right choice. Mm -hmm. Or let me rephrase that. It wasn't as clear, but there was that like undertone in a lot of scenes, right? Yeah. And so um, that's what I think they were trying to do with the end. I just don't think it executed as well as they had hoped. Right. And that's kind of what I was saying is like, I think I almost like the ending, except it doesn't fit because nothing leading up to it really felt like this is where we were headed. And I guess maybe like you're saying they wanted it to be an in the moment thing. But at the same time, that I don't know, that feels weird versus like I, I would have been fascinated if they could have landed a rom-com kind of setup where it's a guy who's two days before his wedding meets a girl and then decides to still marry his wife. I like that as an idea. I think it's interesting. And I, I was like, I kind of had an inkling and it could have been just that I'd forgotten. I'd seen this movie because this movie's not particularly memorable. Um, that I had a feeling that he was going to end up marrying Maura Tierney could be the fact that I adore Maura Tierney. Yeah. We, we put a pit in that for a second. Cause we'll get yes. there, but uh, we'll definitely get there. But there was also the interesting thing is that like, they didn't they made her really great, which I like like they. Yeah, that, that's that's the thing I want to put a pin in, because that was one of my favorite things about this movie is that she wasn't a terrible shrew. OK, well, do we want to pivot? Let's then? pivit. Let's pivot. Uh, let's pivot. More tyranny, everybody. God yeah. bless her. She's delightful. I, I adore Maura Tierney. 
I just want to be clear about that. I, she, I've she is often one of my favorite things about everything she's in, whether it's ER, whether it's news radio, whether it's the uh, liar liar. Uh, she's okay. great. I always forget she's in Liar Liar, but yeah, she's great in everything. Uh, she's there's a movie that I really love that uh, Molly and I watched recently that because Molly hadn't seen it with Scotland, PA, which I highly recommend because it's uh, you like everybody's making a big deal about this Macbeth with uh, Denzel Washington and uh, why am I blanking on her name? That woman that's married to the Cohen. <laughs> Uh, oh, Francis McDormand. Francis McDormand. Uh, everyone's making a big deal about that, but uh, Scotland PA is a great movie where it's Macbeth, but it takes place in a fast food restaurant. And the guy's trying to run a fast food empire, and it's fantastic. And you can't, it's hard to find, but if you can find it, watch it because it's great. Yeah. Um, but no, Maura Tierney is great. And it, what a great choice by this movie to not make her insufferable. Yeah, no, she's delightful. She's super likable and she's super understanding even when because they do a whole thing where her maid of honor is hooking up with Steve Zahn. And for some reason, they're both on the road near where Ben Affleck and Sandra Bullock are. But like her maid of honor immediately is like, I saw him with this other woman. And she just decides she's like, I mean, she told me, but it's fine. Like, I like trust, I trust you. you. Yeah. So she's like completely understanding. She's understanding about like how long it takes him to get there. She's never really upset with him. She's in the opening scene where she has the video camera because it's the 1990s. Uh, it's really wonderful. Like the the conversation they're having, they have really good chemistry together. She's fantastic. Um, another thing to malign, and I'm sorry that I have to do this, but another scene that rang incredibly false is when Ben Affleck is on the plane. And he's on the plane phone. And he's like, I love you more. No, I love you more. That didn't seem accurate to their relationship. No, it was been established. It was funny because you don't see her in that scene. And I feel like she was just like, no, I will not film the other half of this conversation. This is like, not, I'm not doing it. No, I won't edit around it. I don't care. Yeah, it doesn't. They didn't have that relationship at all. And that felt like a very weird. But they had a good. I mean, they had a strong relationship. They definitely you could feel that there was love between the two of them. Yes. But but that's that's a very specific, like codependent movie. Cliche and, and that's a very like first six months puppy love type thing that happens too. right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So but Maura Tierney is great for sure. Um, And like, again, I can't stress enough how much it is a good choice not to make the woman that the lead the male lead might be leaving decent yeah yeah like that's a like atypical for rom-coms well yeah because normally rom-coms they 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 do this kind of setup where it's like the person's already with someone but they who's clearly wrong for them and right. then they meet someone who's clearly right for them which is a thousand hallmark movies which i have no issue with and if someone wanted to hire us to write one i would love to i would love because honestly could, like yeah it, it's a cliche because it works right but i do appreciate uh them kind of doing something different and and not giving the easy out and making his wife delightful his, his wife to be right because i think i'm gonna go out on a limb and say that most people feel that the person they're getting married to is the right person for them at that time yeah i would hope that they're not doing i you know uh, hollywood would have us believe that there's a lot of last minute uh people leaving each other at the altar and whatnot but yeah right up there with looney tunes characters falling in quicksand 
Yeah, I, but uh, I th- but I think it just don't happen in real life. Yeah, I think way higher is that people in the moment think they want to get married and regret it afterwards. Yes, and that's not, like, and that's not counting people that like spontaneously elope, you know, after they've known each other for a few days. Because I'm sure that those regrets happen very quickly. But like, it seemed like they had been together. They planned this big wedding uh, at her parents' house in Savannah. Um, and yeah, like it. It was good that she was she was a good person and probably at, on a lot of levels right for Ben Affleck. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I was shocked about, by the way, hmm. that because and I think that, again, the writers forgot this. I was confident when this movie started and we learned that he wrote the blurbs for uh, the, the book jackets that it was going to turn out that he secretly had a passion <laughs> to be something more but he was afraid and that was like going to tie into how scared he was. And then like, it was going to end with him like writing a manuscript about, and probably even if it was the typical rom-com, he would have written about Sandra Bullock or something. Right. He would have written about their planes, trains and automobiles adventure. And it is a, I think it is a misstep that they didn't hit that cliche. Right. Because it's just like, they kind of just like a couple times say, oh, I write the blurbs. Also, <laughs> he did true. at one point say, it's like, yeah, I want to do more, but at least I'm writing. But then they drop it. It's also wild that we we discover that she has read one of the terrible books that he wrote a blurb for and remembers the blurb on the book jacket. Because we all remember the blurbs on our book jackets. We read them and then we file them away in our memories. Right. That I don't know. I kind of like that, though. Like it didn't like it felt movie true, if not real life true. Right. I assumed that it was the only book that she owned and she just read it over and over again. Yeah. That, she'd had a psychological break, which is why she left her son. And this book was the new roadmap to her life. And she just read it cover to cover a thousand times. About an archaeologist that bangs mummies. That was a book, which, look, also, we'll write that movie. I'll, we've written that movie. Yeah. So Hallmark, <laughs> you want to shake things up? Oh, my God. OK, so we're, we're writing that, but it's a Christmas movie. And it's, OK, it, so yeah, it's a- no, it's 100 percent. It's um, yeah, it's Christmas time in in Egypt. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, well, see, I was no. thinking, see, I was thinking that. So they, they the person goes to Egypt and, and finds the tomb, but then ha- promised their family they'd be home for Christmas. Right. And so they bring the remains with them back to their small country town because they're going to donate it to the country town museum because they're yeah. to put it on the map because rural Connecticut needs Enfield Connecticut needs a, uh, a Egyptology wing of their local museum. And this this archaeologist, she was supposed to marry this serious businessman uh, who didn't really he was like he's convinced that when they get married, she's going to like he thought it was charming to date an archaeologist, but he doesn't want to marry an archaeologist. He wants a housewife. Right. And so she's back. She's got the, the tomb that she's going to donate. And then all of a sudden, this mysterious uh, guy shows up in the town that's clearly uh, he's not from around there. He has an accent. And he, right. He's very Egyptian looking. He's very Egyptian looking. It's played by Oded Fair. Mm-hmm. And he, he shows up and he's new in town. And then slowly but surely, she, she realizes that he's the mummy. And, and and she learns about the true meaning of Christmas from someone who died 3,000 years before Christianity even started. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the end written in script, roll credits, cut print. <laughs> uh, Anyways, uh, Steve Zahn's great, too. 
Oh yeah. No, Steve, look, if you need a, a kind dopey of best friend. A kind of dopey kind of scumbag best friend. There is there was no one better in the 90s than Steve Zahn. I loved that Steve Zahn, who's of course hooking up with the maid of honor, because obviously the best man Steve Zahn is gonna hook up with the maid of honor. Uh I like that when she was trying to tell Maura Tierney that he was really he was trying to be like, what? No, like the, he that's he, not. No. Yeah, he, he really he gave it his all. Uh, no, he's fantastic. I, and again, like you said, he really put in the a lot of best men would hire a stripper for the wedding. But to, to hire a vaudevillian burlesque a, act. A talented burlesque performer. Yeah, that couldn't have been easy to find, especially in the 90s. I think that's bigger now. But in the 90s, like that, that was a few. And this was like early in the Internet. So he he made a lot of calls. He made a lot of calls. He looked through a lot of white pages. Yeah. And I appreciate that. He called yeah. a lot of balloon stores. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. And I, he's delightful. Um, I would say one of the more underrated comedic actors, period. Yeah. No, yeah, he's he's perfect for this role. He really crushes it. Yeah. Um not enough Zahn, quite frankly. I don't know how you get him in the movie more and keep the plot going, but I always want more Steve Zahn in my life. I think yeah, it's easy. I would have not had the him hook up with the Maid of Honor, even though it makes sense. I mean, he could have hooked up with the Maid of Honor, but like I think that Zahn should discover what's happening and his job should be to stall the wedding. That Ben Affleck is like, look, yes. I'm going to get there, but you've got to stall until I get there. And then that's just that's a license to print comedy. Is that a saying? Yeah, that is, that is a that is a license to to Steve Zahnet up. Yeah, just let I him... want to see more scenes with him and Blythe Danner. Yes. Yeah. I want to see him punch out the ex-boyfriend. I want to see him hook up with Blythe Danner instead of the maid of honor. Yeah. Um And. God bless Meredith Scott Lynn, who played the maid of honor. I think she played that role seven times a year in the 90s. Like, yeah, <laughs> she she just showed up on set and they were like, do you want an inches? Nah, I got it. I know. I know the lines somehow. They're in my heart. <laughs> it's like, did, did you get the new pages? I don't. I I wrote the new pages. Yeah, it's like they didn't ever even question her. She said things that were better than what was in the script. And they were just like, where is this coming from? <laughs> she didn't even audition. I also, they didn't even I, hold you know auditions. She was just there. And they're like, oh, good. We cast the, the best friend, maid of honor. She was just there disapproving. She was at craft services, like <laughs> disapproving. Like, but the cream uh, cheese isn't whipped. What the hell? <laughs> I want to give a shout out because I do think this is a silver lining. To the choice, because it is truly an unhinged choice that because so also we didn't really mention for some reason, Sandra Bullock, because she's such a free spirit, decide they, they do a grift where they're getting on this bus with all these old people and they're pretending they have money. But she <laughs> makes two decisions that she does not need to make, which is she says that they're married and she says that he's a doctor, which are both funny to really just go big with her lie. But yeah. Because everyone there thinks that they're married and then they run into Steve Zahn, uh, you know, they run into these other two that they they now they're caught in between all these other people think we're married and that I'm a doctor and these people know the real what's going on. But also, if they see me with this woman, even though nothing's actually happening yet at this point, it's still right. weird. And so they're trying to get away from them. 
and they jump in a pool <laughs> to escape in their clothes. They're, they're wearing full outfits. They jump in the pool. And of course, immediately they see them in the pool. And what I love is that they both come out of the water and Ben Affleck is trying to give an excuse, but nothing that you could possibly say in that moment is going to fix this because you're in a pool fully clothed with a, a stranger. There's no like he, cause I think he says she fell in the pool and he was saving her life, but it's just I, a plus in terms of like, there's no landing that like that, there's no talking your way out of that situation. So that did actually amuse me. Yes. No, a hundred percent. Um, You know what? I liked the scene too, where Ben Affleck is talking to the old couple that reveal they're having an affair. That was good comedy. Yeah, that's not bad. That's yeah, it's very, very sitcom-y, but I think it worked in the, the situation like I did. I, I feel like I've seen that joke in other places before, but it's it, it worked. You know, but it no, it was it was like I would say like this is unquestionably a rom com, but I would say that was one of the better comedy moments of the movie. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, but yeah, and you know what? I'm, I get watching this movie why people dislike Ben Affleck because he doesn't give the best performance in this movie. I'm going to put that out there, but, um, I love Affleck and that's why one of the reasons we're doing Affleck rom-coms this month. That's what I was going to say. We, we both are huge, uh, Ben Affleck fans and yeah, I, I think you know, and, and that's a good point, because I, I did single out Sandra Bullock, but we, we should have also singled out that I don't think Ben Affleck is well cast in this part either. <laughs> like, I don't it's a part that you don't really see him play where he's I don't think it suits him this because, again, I mean, you think Ben Affleck got famous for playing cocky Boston guy. And so you're right. casting him to play terrified, neurotic businessman. And I don't like I think, look, terrified, neurotic businessman doesn't get his coffee from Dunkin Donuts. He goes to Starbucks. And I think that's that's the first problem right there. Right. If, that's yeah, because I mean, and Ben Affleck can play cautious, pensive characters. He did it playing Holden, um, Holden McNeil in Chasing Amy very much was a very like scared to take chances type character and scared to like push the envelope but in a specific way like that was more right true for ben affleck right and i also think that came because uh that movie which we will not be doing this month uh was written by someone who really knew ben affleck so i think it was written yes. to his strengths you know right i think that's the thing like i i get people saying with ben affleck but i think that if you know how to use him, he's really effective. And I think if you watch any of the things that he directed, he knows what his strengths are. And if he, I still, I'll, I'll forever wish that they had let him uh, write and direct a Batman movie with him. In I it. think we're going to mention that every week this month. Because, yeah. Uh, yeah, you watch The Town, you watch, uh, you know, Argo, Argo. And you, you see that he knows what he's good at and he can write to that and really like play to his strengths. And I already said that was my scorching hot take when we did the Snyderverse month is that he's my favorite on movie Batman. I still don't agree with that, but I, I do appreciate your scorching hot take. No, I mean, I, I don't think I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> Even Ben Affleck uh, would be like, really? I mean, that's nice, but. <laughs> but I, like he's. Probably arguably in the worst overall Batman movies. Yes. 
Um, but I just think I think he like his take on the sort of aged Batman character, I think, really works. I think oh. he physically nails it. No, I like so I just him. like him the best. That's yeah. I like him in the role. I just wouldn't say I like him more than other actors who have played it because that implies a world where Michael Keaton wasn't Batman. So I think that's really working against your argument. I, I mean, fair. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah, I mean, but I, I, I will die on the hill that he's for sure better at better at being Batman. Oh, better. Definitely better than being Bruce Wayne than Christian Bale was. I don't know. I, it, that's tough for me. I, I like Christian Bale's Bruce Wayne. I do. I was okay with it. I think he does a better voice than... Oh, for sure. <laughs> a better Batman. I, I like Christian Bale in those movies, but that, that voice, it's, it's, a tr- it's, it's, a, it's a hell of a swing. Yeah, it is. Um, but yeah, I, this uh, is a forgettable, for all the right reasons, rom-com from the late 90s. Um, and we'll we'll come back next week looking at a different movie that's memorable for as many wrong reasons as this is forgettable. Yeah, like we're look, it's we're just getting warmed up to Affleck month and, uh, you know, just just wait to see what we have in store. Yes, that's that's what I would say, you know. But if I can say to Andy, one thing that I just this is a weird way to end it, but I just want to say that, like, I love doing this podcast with you. But there's a moment before every podcast where I walk up to your door and I knock on it. And, and there's a second where I think you might not be there to do the podcast. And it's the best day. Like, it's the best moment of my day. You're hoping that when the person knocks on the whereby room, that it's someone else. <laughs> yes, <laughs> exactly. I'm hoping that it's Robin Williams. Silver Linings Playback is a production of HoboTrashCan.com. If you enjoyed the show, please rate or review it on Apple Podcasts. Hear more great shows on the Peak Sloth Podcast Network, like this one. We have to ask. It's a podcast where we answer the question, are you going to eat that? What will you leave behind? Why get out of bed? Will you be our neighbor? I'm Marty. And I'm Jonathan. We're two hosts. Infinite Universes. We We have have to ask. New interviews every Tuesday. Find us on iTunes or online at wehavetoask.com or with the other great podcasts on the Peak Sloth Network at peaksloth.com.